welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce. This is episode 161, September 30th, 2021. It is International Podcast Day. Celebrate. Yay. There we go. Anyways, for those who are watching live, that's a little bit of celebration. Um, if you're listening to this, you don't get the full visual effect of what is going on. Again, just celebrating the fact of that this industry is super evolving. There's so much great content pumping out in all these different verticals. I didn't know it was until today, so we're just going to do a little bit of celebrating. In that regards, hopefully you found that enjoyable, but welcome to Crossover Commerce. If you're new to the space or you're new to the show, this is my corner of the internet. We're bringing you the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Again, not exclusive to each other. They just dabble in everything a little bit differently. Uh, but that being said, this podcast is actually presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong Payments is not a table tennis company. We are a cross-border payments solution. What that means is that if you are paying a supplier or manufacturer overseas and you want to actually negotiate rates and you want to be more cost-effective to your bottom line, you can actually do that with Ping Pong Payments. Do that by signing up for free in the link below or in the show notes if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform. And of course, if you are receiving and your brand is being gone international, whether it's on Shopify, it's on Amazon, it's on all these different marketplaces that truly exist worldwide, and you want your brand to be more uh, financial friendly in terms of fees, you no longer have to worry about those when you use Ping Pong Payments. Go and check out more information. You can check that out in the link, or you can go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast and just learn more about the podcast and more about Ping Pong today. That being said, again, episode 161, uh, International Podcast Day, but guys, tomorrow is Q4. That being said, sound the alarms, ring the bells, however you have to get amplified. It is that time of year for e-commerce sellers of celebration as well as dread and stress. That is right. You've made it. If you're here, this is what you've been prepping for all year. If you're listening to this, you're, pro you're probably doing so by doing 30 other different things. But that being said, any successful business doesn't want to be a flash in the pan. They want to be something that's successful, sustains, is long-term affecting, um, and can operate as a business. So how we titled this episode today, um, we titled it, How to Get Repeat Purchases for Your E-Commerce Store. I think that everyone can agree with that. In that functionality of long-term, you want people not just to buy you for one or like a special deal or anything of that sorts. You want it to be sustainable, repeat business through subscriptions, or just have different products that they're going to want to naturally add on to you over time, whether that's refills or that is uh, a gift for somebody else, anything of that sort. How do we do that? And how do we make ourselves a sustaining brand instead of a flash in the pan? So, of course, I wanted to bring on a special guest today. Her name is Jessica uh, Tatila Coaster of e-commerce badassery. And basically, you know, I'm not, I'm not joking. That's a fantastic and amazing name, probably the best name for a company we've had on here. Um, that being said, she has been in the space in e-commerce business in various capacities over 20 plus years in retail and e-commerce experience. She started as a former boutique owner in New York and now is an e-commerce and email marketing strategist for multiple businesses. Her, she herself supported entrepreneurs in insights grew and was an employee of a seven-figure e-commerce business, and now she is actually educating and helping people do that themselves. That being said, I want to welcome to Crossover Commerce, Jessica of e-commerce Bassery. Jessica, welcome what? to International Podcast Day. Yeah, right? what's up? I didn't even know. So thank you for letting me know. I feel like I have to go celebrate now. So thanks right, for updating me. 
Well, you are not just a host. Yeah, you are a you are you are a guest or not just a guest. You are a host yourself, and you have your yes. own podcast, which is fantastic. I'm, correct? Yes, I do. I love podcasting. It's been it's one of those things. I just wish I had started sooner. You know, I didn't realize like the community that would come from the podcasting space. So it's just been really cool, and I get to meet really cool people like you. Well, I appreciate that. And for the little time we know, oh, well, it's like 10 minutes in, we're already yeah. best friends, which is fantastic. <laughs> and I would agree with you. Um, so in this space, um, you were you were an educator. You've been around, uh, you have this experience. I don't want to say, I say anytime people have been around a long time, that makes you feel like old and you're like, you're not with it. But you've had so much different experience, but you've walked yeah. the walk and talked to the talk. Now you're teaching people, which is really cool. So yeah. give me give me that evolution of your career and background. Like what, what led you to get into e-commerce in the first place after starting a boutique and then um, yeah. in New York and kind of where you are today. What, what's that story like? Yeah. Well, the story starts as a little girl who slept in her new shoes. Um, so it was really no surprise that I ended up going down the fashion and apparel route. Right. And then I went to school for fashion merchandising and I thought I was going to be a buyer and I was going to work my way up the corporate ladder. And then I quickly figured out like, this is more spreadsheets than anything else. And I am really bored. So I ended up going to Rachel green on Friends. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So I ended up going like back into retail. Cause of course I had worked retail my entire, you know, high school, college life on the side. And I remember getting my first retail job when I was 16 and I thought it was like the coolest thing. It was so exciting to me, but I ended up going back into the boutique world and ended up opening my own boutique right after the 2008 financial crisis. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. But you know, I had already worked in that neighborhood. And so I had those customers and clients who just really wanted to be with me, right? They followed me. Um, and that's really, you know, however this conversation goes today, if you take nothing else away is that it's the relationships you build with your customers that create long-term success in your business. Right. And I learned that really early on. And then fast forward to wanting to leave New York because I was sick of the snow. And so I shut my boutique down and picked up all my stuff and moved to California, which I've been here now. 10 or 11 years. I'm not really sure. It's kind of blurry. And so oh, since one I, big, amazing dream. Yeah. Uh, dream. I don't know. We'll call it a dream. Nightmare, dream. Yeah. <laughs> Same difference. Exactly. Right. Uh, but it doesn't snow here. So, you know, even though you can't like, it's impossible to buy a house here, but it doesn't snow. So you got to kind of like weigh, right. So I started, <laughs> Yeah. I started working in the marketing department for a retailer. They had about 13 stores at the time, all spread out across the US. And we had an e-commerce site that was just this white label site. It was a commission site, right? We didn't really do anything with it. And I had had a little bit of e-com experience before that with some other little companies that I worked for. But when we took e-com back in-house, I took over that division. And for the first three years, I was the only employee. Like I had a part-timer who packed and shipped orders, but I literally did everything else from buying, uploading, product descriptions, 
social media, email marketing. So while it was not my business, it felt like it was my business. Right. I cried a lot, like <laughs> a lot. <laughs> you, crashed, you crashed a website, you were fixing bugs on the, yeah. I get yeah. It. I mean, it there. was, it was really terrible. Um, and during that time though, like I, man, was it stressful, but I wouldn't take any of it back because I learned so much during that time. And it is because of that experience that I'm able to do what I do now. I worked with some really amazing consultants and you know, like I said, I, I knew some, but I know a lot more now. And from my experience of being the client to a consultant, I do things very, very differently in my business with the That's people awesome. I work with. So, yeah. So you went re retail, what was the e-com business? Like what, what were the things you're selling? Was it a service? Was it tangible soft goods? What was it? It, 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 it was tangible, physical products. Um, and all I'll say about that is it was a restricted industry where we could not do social media ads. So okay, email marketing was a super, super important channel for us. And then Google ads as well. Amazing. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing too, right? It's not just those easy layout products. Like there's so many different categories, um, industries that people in all walks of life are still looking for, you might've hit that, that cool niche, but according to obviously social media and stuff like that, there might not be something that falls in terms and conditions. So yeah. we'll leave it at that in that regard. So cool. Love the backstory. I, I sympathize with lots of those things. I uh, work for e-commerce <laughs> business myself, did direct to consumer, crashed multiple websites because all the traffic we were sending to. So you, you spoke to my, you tug on my heartstrings right there. So now fast forward, do we exit the business? What was that transition from? I'm doing this for other people. Why do you want to do it yourself? Is it just that entrepreneur spirit in you that one that was kind of yearning, yeah. or what was that transition like? Yeah. So interestingly enough, I started e-commerce badassery by accident. So I knew that I wanted to do something else and I wanted to do my own thing. I just wasn't totally sure what that was going to be. I assumed it was going to be a product-based business, right? Because that's what I do. That's what I know since I'm, you know, 16 years old. And I had a subscription box there for a minute and, um, you know, toyed with some other ideas, but it was when MailChimp and Shopify. Is that me? That's, I believe you. Okay. It's okay. That was the weird. notifications are going a little crazy. That's okay. Oh, uh, I think it was actually, yeah. Okay. Sorry guys. So I, um, I, it was when MailChimp and Shopify broke up, right? If right. everybody remembers that, right? So I'm in all, day. oh my gosh, it was very stressful. And, you know, I don't think there was very much warning. Nobody really knew it was coming. So I was in all of these entrepreneurial Facebook groups because I just love being surrounded by that energy. Mm -hmm. And people are freaking out and they don't know what to do. So I just start talking to them about Klaviyo, which is my favorite email marketing platform. And I had already been using it for about two years at that point, I think. And then people started messaging me. They're like, well, I just switched to Klaviyo and I don't really know how to use it. Or my emails are going into the junk box or, Ooh, I want to migrate. Can you help me? And I was like, Oh, all right, all right, sure. 
So when I, the things that we know and just do, right? Like I do email because it's just what I do. And you take that knowledge for granted and you forget that there's other people who will pay you to do it for them because they don't know how or don't want to. <laughs> so that's how I ended up doing this. And it was like those first two OG clients where I was just over the moon about just the joy in their face, right? The way their eyes light up when you kind of open up that magic for them. So it just kind of snowballed through referral. And then it got to the point, it was like, okay, I, I can't do both, right? Because I was doing it as a side gig. I can't do both. And there it was, left the nine to five and here I am. And it's been amazing. Now you're 24 seven. So here we go. Yeah. You, you, in, you, you stress those uh, levels to the max. So, well, well, yeah. that, well, amazing story, obviously entrepreneurship, it, it's kind of like, it pulls you there, right? It, like mm -hmm. anyone truly goes into it, like I, I'm in different ways, right? I think there's lots of different things that people just see in you and they look for that expertise. So that's really cool in that regard. So specializing in mainly, again, everyone can look at this on your website and just from that, email marketing, yeah. the love of your life. It sounds like in this industry. <laughs> um, so, so what, what, what from there was it, I want to take this as my cornerstone and then kind of derive from that of, Hey, now social media is becoming a major component of driving uh, traffic and conversions. Um, I want to help people figure out these different kinds of plugin features or SaaS, uh, SaaS solutions or anything like that. Well, how did you want to make sure that you didn't stretch yourself too thin, but really keep yourself as this go-to resource well, if knowledge, if you will. Yeah. So I definitely started out with the email piece because that's what people were asking me for. Right. And you can use that same kind of strategy in your product-based business. Like you've got all of these products, but someone is coming to you for one thing, right? So give them the thing they're asking for. And then as you build the relationship with them, then you can sell them the other stuff. So what kind of happened with me was people would come to me, we do the email thing together, and then I would drop other little nuggets, right? Other things that I would see because that's why I'm doing it different. Like, I'm not going to not tell you that, hey, here's the strategy that can make you more money. And then they'd say, oh, you can help me with that too? Yes, yes, I can. So having that experience of doing all of the things, right? Like I truly get what it feels like to be a one woman show or have a really small team and trying like building this business from your kitchen table. Like I get that because I was that. So I'm really able to kind of shed the light on the e-commerce puzzle for them. Mm -hmm. And having worked with so many developers, and this is not to like poo-poo developers, right? We need them for sure. But what I have learned is they take a lot of shortcuts and they don't think of how you're going to manage that moving forward, right? And they're not right. really concerned about that. So being able to, that's kind of where it started was being an advocate for my clients and saying, look, I know they told you this, but mm -mm, that's not true. Make sure you push back. And I just went through that with a client where, you know, in, um, integrating a separate platform with Clavio and they kind of set up the API and the data wasn't coming over. Right. And I was like, mm, no, this is how it's supposed to look. And they're like, well, I was told it can't be done. And I was like, mm. Ask again, right? Again. And 
Yeah. And so we eventually got to it. Um, so really just being an advocate for everyone and having my hands in all this stuff. Like if I know I'm just going to share, I'm not going to hold back. Like I think a lot of service providers do. Unfortunately. Oh, that's awesome. No, I mean, that's amazing. So the team is, is growing. You are, you're not just a one woman show. You're a multitude and whatnot. We actually, I mean, a couple looks like a couple of fans in here, like, um, already from LinkedIn, uh, man, we have a, we have a cult following. It seems like So there is a baddest woman, uh, support baddest woman. And then, um, we have fans of the podcast already in here, yeah. um, on, fa on Facebook, uh, real quick, I can jump into it. Jessica is, um, yeah. for you, um, would a smaller biz business be better off investing in a site like landing pages, et cetera, than email campaign. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, my if I'm understanding this question correctly, you need both, really. Um, if you think about just selling anything online, physical product, informational product, doesn't matter. It's all of those pieces work together, right? And if you think right. about the Very fact good. that when someone comes to your site, they're not necessarily going to be ready to buy right away. And so you need to get them on your email list so you can nurture them into the purchase. And email has the highest ROI of any marketing activity you can do. So if you're not taking advantage of it, you're really missing out. I mean, if I right. told you, hey, give me a dollar and I'll give you $40 back, would you give me the dollar? Yeah, probably. And that's the return on email marketing. So right. Brennan, the answer to your question is you need both. Um, but I think that you can, you know, we have this idea of what makes a great landing page, what makes a great email, focus on the copy, the words that you use to speak to your customer and solve the problem or bring them the joy that they're looking for. And even if it's not the prettiest thing, because I'll tell you, there are some ugly websites out there that convert really well. It doesn't need to be pretty. It just needs to be right. Right. And, and the other thing to add to that too is if you're running multiple campaigns, you can send them to the same landing page yeah. in theory. You just change out the campaign, the UTM codes, um, how, whatever your call to action is, it can be perceived differently on depending on the campaign you're doing. So invest mm -hmm. in both, but um, the campaigns can change quicker. But like you said, if you have to do bare bones and really focus on one, make sure at least is telling people what they say, what you're promising in those kind of campaigns, right? If it's saying, hey, we're, there's a great sale going on, make sure that there is sell products or services on that page, or hey, right. learn more about this. You want to have the information about that product or service. So um, great question, Brendan. Thanks for sending that in. So Jessica, tell me, so in e-commerce right now, we're hitting this, this, this special time of year, I always call it, it drives headaches. It, it creates, you know, people's years, if you will. Um, there's a lot going on in the world um, on the podcast. We we see logistics. We see problems of that. We see all sorts of kind of headaches, lots of growth in the last year into, um, you know, even 2019, there was just this fast forward, obviously, with many reasons for that. But that being said, is there like, what are you most looking forward to in the next like three months or so? Is it is it looking for growth? Are you expecting kind of this? this plateau of, Hey, we saw so much growth last year. Maybe we may not see incremental growth, but that consistency, um, what are those things that are you're really looking forward to or keeping an eye on? If you yeah. Great, great question, man. If I had a crystal ball. So 
What's so interesting is I think about, you know, this time last year when we were making predictions, this is going to be the most insane Black Friday ever, right? Stores were not opening on Thanksgiving night, and I don't know if they are um, this year or not. And we knew a lot of stores were still going to be closed. And so it was it was so much easier to see the writing on the wall, right? E-commerce was going to go nuts. Like we knew that was happening. This year, I think we're not as far along as we thought we would be when it comes to COVID specifically, like so much so that I was actually like Googling how long have other pandemics lasted? Like, I was literally searching that yesterday. Um, and some of them are two years. So maybe we're about to wrap up, but knock on wood. Yeah, but I'm seeing it was funny too because just this last week, like my husband and I, we order all of our groceries through Instacart because we decided that we could take that time and work on our business instead of going to the grocery store, right? Yeah, three, four hours. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So we can't, like, he always gets these little bag of chips, right? Like the Frito Lay variety pack sold out, can't get them, not available. And it reminded me like, oh, we're starting to see those logistical problems again. We don't have truck drivers. People aren't working. We don't have delivery people. Like that is going to likely continue through Q4. So it's definitely something to consider when you're deciding what you're going to do. Um, I think, you know, maybe a couple of months ago, we didn't think that was going to be the case, but we just don't know. So I do expect additional growth, you know, yeah, there's still a lot of people who are struggling financially. That is true and sad, but there's a lot of people who are not and who are still spending and I expect right. them to continue to do so. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I think ultimately the best thing that you can do for yourself is prepare for the worst, <laughs> hope for the best and keep it simple overall, you know, don't overextend yourself, make it easy for the customer to understand what you're offering and what they're getting. And that will also limit your customer service inquiries and things like that. So, right. Who knows? Well, when that, Yeah, I was gonna say in that regards, I know even people are trying to limit themselves so they can last the entire year because of mm. supply issues and whatnot, yeah. but we, we actually taught, we titled this, how to get repeat purchases from your e-commerce store. So you actually want people to come back and make more purchases. No one wants you to not make sales, but I think a lot of people right. are just scared of the notion of running out. Um, if you're on Amazon, that means, you know, your rank and viability and your visibility can really shoot you in the foot and it can yeah. torpedo you pretty quickly. On a directed consumer side, it's a little bit different. You just make it not available. Um, and say, hey, we don't have this, but we have other things. So what, yeah. what were the kind of those strategies that you say, we may not have this, but maybe check out XYZ or how are we getting those repeat purchases without worrying about inventory loans? Because I think you have a lot of good thoughts around this. Yeah, absolutely. So number one, when like when all else fails, sell gift cards, right? So people can give the gift card and then they'll come back early next year to shop when you do have the inventory. So you always have that as a fallback. But I think you have to be really specific about your marketing to match the inventory that you have. So yes, people are going to come to your site and they're going to look at different stuff and they're going to want what they want, but they're also going to want what you promote. In all of my years of working in retail, I can't tell you 
how many times someone came into a store, pointed at a mannequin or pointed at the window and said, I want that. Right. Then it sells. Yeah. Yeah. Then it sells out. You remove it from the window, you put something else in, and then they come and say, I want that. So I wouldn't get too worried about that part. Be prepared, obviously, have your backup plans, but focus on promoting and hyping up the things that you know you have inventory in and that you can get replenished if necessary. And if you run out, you're just going to swap what you're talking about, right? So it's important to kind of keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening. Like we don't get to take vacations in Q4. That's just not how this goes if you're going to be in retail and pivot and adapt when you need to. That's really my best advice there. Amazing. So what about um, in that notion, there's strategy for people to come back, obviously, where um, you want them to not just be that one-time buyer. Is it is there tactics that you include of like, hey, an email follow-up of, hey, thanks for your support or thanks for that order. Here's a coupon for the next time you purchase with us or um, you get free shipping the next time you shop with us within... 15 days, 30 days or something like that. Are there like strategies that you want to make sure that you can really optimize that spending potential of that customer uh, within a certain window or strategy? Yeah, absolutely. So people are generally most engaged in about the first 90 days that they have, you know, signed up to your email list or made a purchase from you. One thing to know, interestingly, about Q4 think the statistic is that 60% of your Q4 revenue is going to come from people that you communicated with in the first half of the year. So while acquisition is important, and yes, you are going to get new customers during that time. And yes, we will talk about how you can make sure you keep them around. Just know like you can't forget about those repeat people too, right? I think sometimes we're like, ah, they're our customers, we're fine. And we we need to give them a little bit more attention than that um, and continue to build that relationship and nurture that relationship with them. For those new people that you get, and this is any time of year. So I generally will have two post-purchase emails that I set up for clients. The first one is a general thank you that is text-based from the founder. It looks like you sat down at your desk and wrote it. And all this email does, excuse me, is say, thank you so much for supporting my business. We appreciate you, right? You kind of jazz that up a little bit for your brand. And that just goes to them the very first time they purchase. The other post-purchase is some sort of education around the product that they just bought. And the goal of this email is to make sure that they have a good experience with your product, right? Because just because you got the sale, your job is not done. So how do we make sure that they have a good experience with your product so that they'll come back and leave a positive review? That's how I like to approach that. And that's naturally going to bring them back because they're going to have such a good experience with you. If you want to offer a discount, a bounce back, something like that, you totally can. Um, it's a great time. And I would do it with a, a short time frame, maybe 30 days, or it's, you know, maybe in January, right? It'll be valid in January, like a bounce back. You can totally mm-hmm. do that. Um, but you don't have to. And I know people struggle to, you know, give discounts. Mm-hmm. 
Right. No, that makes, uh, I, I like that in that regards of you want to make sure that they're, they feel welcomed and personable um, in that regards. And do, do you feel like, is it to you, do emails maybe get lost after the post purchase at all? Or is it even more like you're brand aware? So what I mean by that is everyone feels like they get thousands of emails a day and it all goes in the promotions tab or if you're in Google and I feel like I have to like clear it out, but I will scan it. Are you, are you telling people, how are you, how are you having your, your clients or your businesses stand out in that regards to make them even opt into opening it in the first place? Is it, is it a call to action in the subject or what are those uh, from the, from the email queen, you know, uh, herself, <laughs> I want to know how are we standing out in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. First, I want to talk about the promotions tab. It's still the inbox. It's still the inbox. And interestingly, most people, at least on mobile, and I, you know, I know this statistic just because of iOS 15 and what's happening there, but the majority, I think it's 70% of Apple users use the Apple mail app. They don't even use the Gmail app. Um, and that's just even on desktop too. So, you know, don't get caught up in how do I get out of the promotions folder? Like, People are trained to go to the promotions folder to look for their stuff. And Gmail does a really nice thing that when there is something maybe ending or expiring, it moves it to the top of the inbox. I like that feature. I like love that feature. As a consumer, I love that feature. I'm like, oh yeah, thank you for reminding me, right? Let me go, let me go make my purchase. So don't figure out the algorithm. Have you figured out that algorithm, by the way? Is there a certain call? Because they only promote two. And this is me yeah. being a nerd right now. We can nerd out. Yeah. Sorry, everyone uh, listening or watching. Um, <laughs> certain calls to actions I've actually noticed will bump up to the um, will bump up to the front. It's either I've engaged with that that brand enough where I've opened up mm. most of their emails, or there's a significant call to action or in the title, in its title heavy of in the subject of we have this discount that's expiring soon. And it's always like you said, it's ending and that's what will put you in the front. Is there anything else you can maybe add on to that that you've seen that's worked over the other ones? Yeah, I honestly, I couldn't tell you because I haven't paid that close of attention, but now, now I need to go look. I need to nerd out on that a little bit. I'm sure there's some data or case study around that, but probably, I think it's like somehow within Google. And again, it's, it's always scanning your emails. It's going to, it wants to bump up the most engaging mm-hmm. emails that you want, because obviously I, I don't know if that's a, just a controllable aspect or if they're just sh- trying to show, Hey, by the way, Google can go to this brand and say, look how great we did on pushing your products. Or I don't know what the point of it is, but I know they want that engagement to happen um, in that environment, but love the feature, love the product. Yeah. I just didn't know if there's anything else we might be missing, especially yeah. in the time of right now. Are we are we promoting earlier than we are in the past because of it feels like there's this elongated nature of Q4 where I've heard it from lots of different news sources, but also again, not everything from the news, but lots of different businesses are a little worried that they run out of inventory. It might be gone by two weeks before December. So a lot of people might be starting their promotions earlier and they're shopping earlier so that uh, shipping is going to yeah. be less costly, which I know is already, it's already going up tomorrow for lots of different carriers, uh, through USPS and UPS, FedEx, all those people. Is there, is there, 
are we starting earlier even now than ever to promote for holiday shopping? Yeah, I mean, really, it's it's so different for every single business. So traditionally, I would typically run something Wednesday through Monday, right? So the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I'm going to give access to my VIPs. They're going to shop in you know a day earlier. Everyone else gets the information on Thursday night because people love to shop after they had their turkey and they're sick of their families. And then, you know, carry that all the way through Cyber Monday. If you're really concerned about the inventory, what you can do is instead of actually putting everything on promotion, you just take that time at the beginning of November to prime and prep everyone, which you should be doing anyway, and let them know what's coming. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't want to give it all away because then they're going to wait to shop. They're waiting anyway. They're waiting until you have your offer. Either it's on sale or you have a gift with purchase or whatever it is that you're doing. They are waiting. So don't worry about that. Use that time to get them hyped up, waiting for your offers to drop because people have a limited window of time to shop, right? And they have to decide who they're going to spend their time and money with. So get on their schedule, basically. Um, So that's, you don't necessarily have to start the promotion early, but you can start promoting it early. Sure. I mean, it makes sense to me in that regards. Do you, do you feel like that it's just like site wide or is it more like one hero discount in terms of like product selection or category or just your, your top seller or something like that, Mm -hmm. that drives the eyeballs. And then it's kind of supplemental at that point, like put it in full price or maybe slightly discounted. A lot of people have different varying capabilities. Like you don't want to just like kill it with like discounted no matter what, but is it something where you want the user to opt into like what they see value in, whether it's just discounts or I need to buy the product anyways, and I'm going to buy it regardless. So why give them more of a discount? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the age old question, right? That's a philosophical question. We're yeah. Into. Yeah. So it depends on, I, I tell my people to ask themselves, what is the goal, right? And you should be doing this with any promotion, marketing, anything that you create. What is the goal of this? What are you trying to accomplish? So for instance, the company that I used to work for, for us, it was like, we just want to drive that top line revenue number, right? Because the man who signs our paychecks wants to see the top line revenue number. So that's what we did. Um, and we did that with a site-wide discount because we knew that let the people pick what they want, right? There are some exclusions based on map pricing and things like that with some of the brands that we sell. Um, who had kind of their own promos. But for everything else, we just did site-wide because we knew that's what we would get. But if you're a smaller business, maybe you have product you're sitting on actually that you need to move, then focus on that. Maybe you have a specific category that doesn't really get a lot of love or works best around Q4 and you want to focus on that. So ask yourself what your goals are first and create promotions around that. But keep them simple. Like don't do this category this day and then this product the next day. And it's, it's too confusing. It's too confusing. It's hard to keep up with. 
inventory is going to turn into a mess and you're going to have too many customer service inquiries because they don't understand time zones and expiring discounts and things like that. <laughs> Very good point. Well, and like you said, yeah. it's harder on you as an entrepreneur if you're yeah. the only one running it or a couple of you running yeah. it. Why make that more difficult on yourself? Um, maybe weekend or week long. Again, make, give it a little bit of time so that has legs. Yeah. Um, but what about competition? I know a lot of people are trying to subvert like, hey, buy this product for me or hey, I want to give a nice like uh, piece of clothing from my collection or to a significant other. And they're probably between like brands, right? How are we not subverting, but how are we making it more enticing to purchase from us than our competition? Is that through your strategy? Is, is there a certain strategy we're implementing or how, how are we bringing that value more than yeah. our competition? It's It's relationship building right? That's what makes you stand out from the other person who sells the same product as you. I mean, unless you are squatty potty, there's probably someone who sells the same thing you sell. So really it's about remembering that your business is not about you. It's not about your product. Your business is about what your product can do for your customer and how you can make their life better. So when you are marketing to them, when you're showing up on social media, when you're sending them emails, when you are creating banners for your website, when you're creating ad copy, you have to speak to them in their words. And if you don't know what those words are, go check out your the comments on your social media posts, your product reviews. The language is all there for you and speak to specifically to what it is that they are looking for and the outcome they want from your product versus saying like, Hey, I have this sweater for $15. All right, cool. Big deal. But, yeah. All right, sweet. So does old Navy. What else you got for me? Right. Versus saying like, you know, Here's the gift she's been waiting for all year. She'll know that you thought about her sweaters for $15. Speak to the thing that they are trying to accomplish and you will automatically stand out without having to stand out. If that makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> well, I've noticed in my, my uh, expertise, in my background, you want, you want people to have this notion that they're getting more than what you're actually, it's not, it's not deceptive. It's you want them to feel like that they're, they're winning in regards to this. So I mean this by like great, getting a great price on something, achieving something like a buy one, get one, or uh, I'm getting a discount. Otherwise I wouldn't have in the first place, or I'm achieving free shipping because I'm spending a certain amount right. or because I'm an insider, I'm getting any purchase I make is get a donation to a charity of my choice, or I get to pick to a charity. All things I think are, Lots of people feel like ooey gooey on the inside when it comes to this time of year. Are there are there like free or like really simple ways that we can bring value add to say, hey, I'm gonna push you over the edge and it may not cost me an arm and a leg. Yeah. Thoughts around that? Yes. So there's a couple things you can do. If you want it to also be a physical product, for instance. Go to the vendors that you work with. Like if you sell other people's products, this works best. Go to your other vendors and ask them what they are sitting on and trying to get rid of, first of all, because you can get stuff at a deep discount, which you can then either give away for free or you can offer at a really deep discount, but still get the same margin. 
That makes mm -hmm. sense. I used to do that all the time in my boutique. Was great money maker. But you can also create some sort of digital product. So a lot of us in the pro physical product space feel like, eh, digital products, info products, that's like a whole separate thing. I can't really use that in my e-commerce business. And that's just not true, especially if your product is solving someone's problem, right? Then your product isn't doing the job itself. They have to do these other things too. And I always use like the CBD example, because I think we can all wrap our heads around this. If someone's taking CBD because they want better sleep so that they can better run their business or spend more time with their kids or whatever, right? Part of that is taking the CBD to get a good night's sleep. But it's also turning off electronics an hour before bed, drinking more water, not having caffeine after a certain time, creating a nighttime routine so your body knows it's time to sleep. By the way, I use this example all the time and I'm like the worst sleeper ever. So I should take my own advice. I was like, but I, I do not take that, my own advice in that regard. Yeah, I don't do any of the things I just said. I fall asleep with the TV on and yeah. Don't but drink coffee after a certain day time at <laughs> and I'm still doing it. Oops. Yeah, that Anyways. one I don't do because I really will be up all night long, but it's the electronics for me. So create some sort of digital product around what you sell and you can just give that away for free. Or you can charge like three bucks for it if you want, but like give it away for free. That's such a value add that literally costs you just the time it takes to put it together. But it's an asset that you can use over and over and over again. And after Q4, after kind of your free period, then you can throw it up on your website as a product and sell it. Makes a really great cross sell item um, and it's inexpensive. Right. Your profit I, I would, for you. Well, and I always challenge people too of, like I said, if you're selling, let's call it musical equipment, you're selling a flute, sell them some sheet music or add on sheet yeah. music. If you're selling um, a back scratcher, make, give them like a, a, a foot roll. I, I don't know, some sort of like yeah. something for your foot or any, anything that would be complimentary or, hey, if it's um, a ebook or any of those kinds of contexts of my kids love or buying a certain toy. Hey, give them a free educational thing for about gorillas or whatever that plush toy might be. So certain things yeah. like that, like you said, it might cost you a little bit if they want to opt into it. That's great. If they don't, then that still could push those people over. Is there, um, is there any other things that might be helping that enhancement to like maybe drive up that average order size? Is it like, uh, offering gift wrapping or if it's off offering expedited shipping and, you're either offsetting some of that cost or you may be like, what are, what are those other additional things they can maybe yeah. make it seem that they can, Hey, I'm getting so much value or I have options available with this company. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to trying to raise your AOV, the first thing is you need a cross sell app. And this is any time of the year. Um, so many e-commerce businesses are not taking advantage of this. And a lot of the time it's because we get in our own way, right? And we feel like, well, it's really annoying when something pops up. I Yeah, but the data says that they work. So don't make business decisions based on feeling. <laughs> make them based on data. You're not the customer, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the data says pop-ups work. So you definitely want a cross-sell app for sure. You can do an after checkout cross-sell or upsell as well if you're like a one to five-ish product store, right? And you're just kind of cross-selling one item. 
So you definitely want to do that. Also raise your free shipping threshold to whatever your current AOV is. And so you want to, I usually check in on this quarterly because your AOV is going to naturally get higher and higher. And so you need to raise that free shipping threshold to match that because you don't want to just give it away. You want people to work for it. And I think the statistic from, I, mean, I think maybe it was UPS or something, like 60% of people will add more items to their cart to qualify for free shipping. Oh, 100%. I am one yeah, of that... those people. It annoys me to pay for shipping. Yeah. It's a, well, and this is, so for the people who haven't listened to this before, I saw this the other day and I, I think it's most one of the more creative ones in terms of free shipping and achieving and unlocking free shipping is the pop-up. Again, you were talking about people engage with this. I think it's, I think it's very useful in terms of the consumer, but what it is, is they asked, what is your zip code? So we can verify that you would qualify for free shipping. Mm. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, of course, like that, that sounds silly, but you have to do it in order to even, cause it will charge you shipping. And they're like, just give us a zip code and we'll just see if it is. You put it at in and in theory, that kind of knocks you down into a demographic, right? They're getting some information from you, which is good for the, for the customer. It's not invasive because they're like, it's a zip code, like who cares? Yeah. But it's actually very cool in terms of demographic of now I can start to break down where my customers are coming from. If it's, you know, it's mainly New York people or East coast. Okay. Well, maybe I start to like cross promote to these zip codes and you can do that through mailers. You can do that through um, all sorts of cool advertising solutions, but then also you can start targeting ads, social media to those kinds of platforms as well to zip codes yeah. that people are offering. So again, you're going to offer free shipping, but you might as well get something back in the return. So I think that was one of the more cool, like not invasive, yeah. but really neat ways to achieve free shipping. Yes. And it's a really great way to collect first party data thanks to iOS 15 and IP addresses going away because before that was really the only way we were getting location. But mm -hmm. now if we can collect their zip code, then there's some tools to help you locate that. Absolutely. Yeah. Which brilliant. is really cool. I, again, doesn't feel, doesn't feel invasive. I, I personally like applauded them in the background. I was like, of course I'm doing this. Like you guys yeah. got me, but I, I, I see what <laughs> you're doing. Um, I guess my other thing before Jessica, we wrap up, um, when you're driving uh, external traffic to your website, we were talking about email, we were talking about all these other things. We didn't really touch on social media too much. Um, I know that the, the kind of the hot stuff is buying in app and kind of directing people to whether you're using your Shopify store or like some direct to consumer website. Is there, is there something that's getting you like really excited about how to work with on these social platforms and really just drive consumers to buy a product with it, whether it's working with a micro influencer or um, doing direct in-app purchasing without truly even leaving? Yeah. So the direct in-app purchasing in theory sounds like a really cool, amazing, wonderful thing. And I'm sure for some people they are seeing the value there. But in my experience with the clients I've worked with, like the contribution is so small. Not that you ignore it, but there's other things you could put your energy into that is going to bring you a much higher ROI, right? For okay. time, because remember, your time, energy, and effort, you need to be rewarded for that as well. Of course. So I would rather you double down on what already works well. Um, give okay. it. I would say give it a couple of years and that will start to catch up, right? People are still weird about shopping online. Like, yeah, 
we saw huge growth through COVID, but e-commerce is still like this much in terms of the retail pie. So it's still early, you know, and I use the example too of the company I used to work for. I was there for seven years, but it was even before my time. So I think it was 10 or 11 years ago, they like tried SMS marketing. It was too early. People it's were not early. into it, right? So I would I think have said, get out of your block. <laughs> yeah. So I think like with the with the in-app purchasing, I think it's going to, you're going to have those early adopters, right? But it's going to be a while before it's super significant. What right. I do see killing it right now, and you know, most of the people I work with, they are smaller teams. It's they're female founded. They created a product to solve a problem because they couldn't find what they wanted on the market. And what's killing it for them and legit blowing, like they were already doing, you know, multi six figures. And now they're just like skyrocketing is reels and TikTok, reels and TikTok, short form, entertaining video. And they will, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time, right? They're just doing the same thing with a little bit of a different story, but they're featuring their product every single time, right? They've got diverse models in there, trying everything on. Um, and it's, they're just blowing up. It's amazing to watch. I was gonna say, so, so in that regards, what, what's the call to action? Is it just branding or is it mainly, um, you're pointing people in a certain direction? What, what, what's that? What's that? Yeah. So drive to. Yeah, absolutely. The call to action is like, if you buy this, right, this is what you'll get, or this is how this will solve your problem, or you don't have to worry about this anymore. Um, it's really kind of the age old, like, this is marketing 101 and advertising 101, right? You want to show them what's possible and let them know that if they buy your product, this will also be possible for them. Right. And that's really all it is. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, is that, is that in the age, again, advertising one-on-one, then you go to the, I go devil's advocate. Are you tracking that a certain way? Or are you just kind of, you know, it's doing its job by still pushing people in that regards. You just know that because you said, Hey, that, that growth potential, are we measuring that yeah. a certain way or yeah. what, what is that? Yes. So it's definitely harder to measure, of course, right? I do recommend that you use custom UTM parameters anytime you're doing any sort of social media thing so that you can get it accurately tracked and tied to a specific campaign. Um, The other way is you can do the whole code thing, use this code, but now now you're giving discounts, right? Really... Sometimes it's a kind of a combination of those UTM parameters, but also really looking at the timing of things, right? You're going to know if something goes viral and then all of a sudden your website traffic blows up. You're going to be able to make that connection. The trick is you got to pay attention and keep track, right? To Yes, you may have something go insanely viral. That's going to be really obvious. But those other little upticks might be a little bit smaller. So if you're not already tracking your numbers on a regular basis, start doing that now. Um, and, you know, what I like to tell people when they're trying something new is give it a solid 90-day, like, all-in 
effort before you decide whether or not it works for you. Sure. So the content, like yeah. we always hear, like your branding, your call to action, or you're, you're educating people. Is there, mm -hmm. how often are you, are you advising people they should do this? Like going into key four, you want to still have those, like, again, brand awareness. It's great because it constantly, if it's on TikTok or again, TikTok is just one giant hose that's coming at you. If someone follows you, then it, it gets yeah. fed into that hose, but uh, yeah. you don't get that. You don't get all these offshoots like you do um Instagram, for example, right? You got your stories, you got your pa yeah. uh, pages, you got your, you got every, all these different ways you can interact with people and reels. Um, is there, is there a consistency you want to, you want to create with that or every other day or how often yeah. are you advising people? As, as consistent as you can be, right? For the long term, like it doesn't make sense to say, yeah, I'm going to post every single day and do it for four days and then disappear for a week. So be realistic about what you can be consistent with. Maybe that's just once a week and that's okay. Will you grow faster if you post more often? Yes. Will you potentially burn out and hate it and not want to do it ever again and then just completely fall too. off? Yes. So do what you can realistically do on a regular basis and then just give yourself permission to not do any more than that. Yeah. I love that. Those are good tips, especially going into a busy time of year. A lot more yeah. people are going to be indoors again, in theory, um, unless you're in California, yeah. right? Where it's always yeah. beautiful. <laughs> we have seasons here. So it's, uh, we call them allergy seasons or allergies and uh, uh, all winter it's hot and cold. It was 51 day and now it's 80 this week. It's all over the place. Just, I guess like my final question and if people like what they hear or if they just want to know, like, I guess with the specifically reaching out to you, the education that you're putting out there, you have so much content that you're putting out there and helping people with what, what, what's the most thing that's exciting um, that you're doing now as an entrepreneur. Is it the podcast? Is it the hands-on approach with clients? What's that one thing that gets you out of bed every day? And you're like, hell yeah, let's get going. Yeah, honestly, it's the one-on-one -on -one when I'm working either. So I kind of have two main tracks. Like I'll do email automation setup or I do ongoing consulting where we just kind of work on all the things, SEO, marketing, business operations, right? It is the, the way their face lights up when I uncover some magic for them, whatever that is, whether it's clarity on something or, oh, wow, I didn't even know I could do that. Or, oh, yay, I've been dreaming about doing this, but I didn't know how. That is what gets me out. It's comments like what Laura said when the feedback that I get, oh, my God, I love your podcast. Oh, my God, I just found your podcast. That's what keeps me going. Amazing. Well, yeah, congratulations on that. Again, for people <laughs> who are who don't know where, where it is or what it's called, obviously, Ecom bad, Badassery, correct? Which is <laughs> yes. far, by far and away one of the best names out there. Oh, again, thank I, you. <laughs> not, sure, not, sure, not sure where it derives from, but again, I, I can tell by just looking at you and listening and talking with you. Um, again, what, what's the podcast really for people who haven't had a chance to experience it? And yeah. it's cool. um, I know it's lots of great tips, insights, um, and it's available on all the platforms. So as well as your website. So what are those, yeah. um, what's kind of the, the genesis, if you will, or the, the point of the podcast, if you will. Yeah. The point of the podcast is for you to listen and implement. So it's all actionable steps and strategies. And so I'll get people who are like, Oh, I just found you and I binged your podcast. And I'm like, cool. 
but did you do any of the things that I recommended? <laughs> so I appreciate the binge listening, but what I really want you to do is listen, implement, listen, implement, because if you don't take action, nothing changes. Um, but it is, it's a weekly show and I really, you know, I try and time some of it obviously around where we are in the year as well. So, you know, I did all the Q4 stuff and then I'll usually pop in like right before Black Friday, like, hey, these are the things you might be missing to just kind of be there as that cheerleader and that person to kind of whip you into shape if you need it. But yeah, ecommercebadassery.com. You can find me on all the places at ecommercebadassery bad assery. I can't even say my own business name. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should work on it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, No, and I follow follow you on Instagram. Again, we have the handle underneath uh, your video. If you're listening to us on the the podcast, you can actually uh, find our econ bad assery. Of course, just search that in all the major platforms and Jessica's going to pop up. Have just so much great content. I think the most recent one I listened to, it was uh, warming up your audience for the holiday. I think it was Mm -hmm. the most recent one that came out for the, which was really cool. And then, um, just lots of cool, great tips of um, things that any, every entrepreneur needs to kind of either achieve or accomplish, but also just insightful stuff of like how I got over this. And uh, you're pretty personable in that regards. And I think everyone should give it a listen to. Is there um, like, it, it's only, it's 80, or are you at 80 episodes or something? Like I that? think, Is yes, I just you know? published 80 episodes. Yes. Amazing. Well, congratulations on the journey. And like, I'm, ex- I'm excited to continue to be a listener. It's one of my one's liked and notify me when new ones come out. So um, awesome. congratulate, uh, congratulations on the success and all the, the good stuff that's going on with you. How do, how do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more or just follow you? Is it just those platforms or can they email you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Instagram is definitely probably the best place. Um, and I also have a Facebook group. So if you need a little bit more support, you can always find me there, but if you want to like slide into my DMs on Instagram, you can do that for sure. Oh man. Yeah. You, you offer it. I, I didn't offer it for you. So you offer that for people. So of course everyone out there, yeah, check out uh, Jessica or, or you know, just uh, reach out and follow her socially, listen down to the great content that she's pumping out. Hey, thanks for, so much for hopping on today. Um, Just great. Giving us great insight to, you know, Q4 and just the repeat customers, I think is super helpful. For people who yeah. are kind of struggling, I know it's kind of this dead time of like, all right, now what, what's going to come and am I ready for this? Just kind of amp up people for that. So thank you so much for hopping on today and uh, being a guest and now friend of the show and Crossover yeah. Commerce. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Awesome. Thanks, Jessica. And again, everyone else who's listening to us live or, or watching us live, and I should say listening to us on the podcast, again, channels, no matter where you're listening, thank you so much for hopping on again. This is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and of course, brightest people, as you can tell by this episode in the Amazon and e-commerce world, just great actionable tips. I hope everyone gets a chance to go back, start implementing those today, according to Jessica. Um, Want to make sure that apply those principles to your direct-to-consumer website, but also marketing. I think a lot of great tips especially going into this busy time of year, start to share up those email automations, uh, those those kind of campaigns, and then also um, just branding in general, lots of different things where you don't want your your loyal customers to feel left out. I think that was maybe my one takeaway. Make sure you get in touch with them and make sure they feel loved. And there's great ways to do that without costing an arm and leg. So share up your business, uh, get ready for Q4. And thanks for tuning in with us on national internet. I call it national. It's international podcast day. So September 30th, 
you're on my calendar forever uh, and foremost uh, known as this one great day for all podcasters out there. So if you are listening to us or watching us, again, thank you so much for joining us on Crossover Commerce. I'm Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet. We'll catch you guys tomorrow live when we go um, and talk about how to, um, on episode 162, getting your products offered for sale by the largest retailers and talking with the great people over at Home Roots. That being said, we'll catch you guys next time. Take care.